Praise the Lord. Shall we pray together? Heavenly Father, we thank you for another opportunity to come unto you and to look into the law of liberty. Our prayer is that as we open the scriptures this day, your Holy Spirit will shine the light upon the word and illuminate our hearts, teaching us and instructing us on how to raise the next generation as kingdom citizens and heirs of the promise of life in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. We thank the Lord once again for the privilege that we have in coming to look at this series of studies on the theme we have titled Scriptural Guidelines on Raising Kingdom Yes. In the last episode, we emphasized that our children have the innate capability to become anything depending on what they are exposed to. And during this session, we made it clear that we, as parents, have the primary responsibility to bring up, train up, protect, govern. We emphasize that we are the governors of what they are exposed to. Not anyone else, not a pastor, not neighbor, not their teachers in school. While all these others may contribute, we are the governors of the whole process and consequently, we are accountable unto God. For God will not do what he has handed over unto us to execute. Now, if we will combine what we learned the last time with what we learned in the previous two or three episodes, we will begin to come to the understanding that our goal is to raise sons and daughters of God whose purpose is primarily to glorify God, their honor. And I believe then that we can begin to synthesize our learnings and come to conclude that the primary goal and priority in Christian parenting is to raise children who will bring glory to God on earth and would be glorified at his coming. That said, in today's episode, I'm trusting God to help us do two things at least. One, come to a proper understanding of what it means to bring glory to God. And if God permits us, we want to take a look at the results of misplaced priority in Christian parenting. And what we mean by misplaced priority is if the primary priority and goal of parenting is not set towards the glory of God. And I trust God to help us as we look at this over the next couple of minutes in Jesus' name. So let's start with the first component, which is getting a proper scriptural understanding of what it means to bring glory to God. Now, you know, where there is no proper understanding of the scriptures on what brings glory to God, anyone can simply form his or her own opinion on what glorifies God. And you might have seen or heard where someone or people claim something they do or the other brings glory to God. Take, for example, some may talk about dressing or any other action. And some of these assertions are without scriptural basis. But the question here is, what brings glory to God? What does the Bible say about bringing or giving glory to God? If you turn the Bible quickly to the book of John chapter 15, verse 8, directly from the mouth of our Lord Jesus Christ, it says, Hearing is my Father glorified, 
that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. Here we learn that glorifying God stems from bearing much fruit. And we can come to understand fruit bearing here as exemplifying the characteristics of Christ. Just the way the branches of the vine bring forth fruit. While time may fail me to go deep into this matter of bearing fruit, for it is not the direct focus of this study. But let me call our attention quickly to the qualifier of the fruit we are to bear. Jesus Christ said in that John chapter 15 verse 8, much fruit, not just fruit, not sparing fruit, abundant fruit. And this abundance also further implies visibility. It must be evident to God and to the world around us. It is in these that God is glorified. Now, if we also turn to the book of Psalms chapter 50 verse 23, the Bible says here, Whoso offereth praise glorifieth me, and to him that ordereth his conversation aright will I show the salvation of God. Now, if you check the King James Bible that we just read, you will see that there is a colon after the first clause there, pointing to the fact that what is being referred to here is not just singing the praises of God. Now, while singing the praises of God is good, we see the second clause there, which is implied again, saying, ordering our conversation, our conduct, our rights, is the important piece. Now, while it is good, that we raise our children to learn to praise God with their lips and to worship God with their mouths. And by all means, we should teach them to do this. However, it is not enough. A life of praise is more important than lips of praise. I can also say this, that thanksgiving is good, but thanks living, that is, God-glorifying conduct is more important. And as we raise our children to bring glory to the Lord, it's not about what they offer with their mouths. Or with their lives but the life that they live how that brings glory to the name of god when men sees them jesus gave this understanding in the book of matthew chapter 5 verse 16 saying let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father which is in heaven so you see the emphasis there on that men may see your good works and it is when they see the good works that they will glorify your father that is in heaven so you see what glorifies god when men see the fruits that we bear. And so it also points to that when men or people around see the fruits of righteousness, the fruits of Christ that our children bear, then they will give glory to God. And we have an example in Daniel and the three Hebrews when Nebuchadnezzar glorified the name of God. Also, if you look at the book of Isaiah chapter 43, verse 21, the Bible says, These people have I formed for myself. They shall show forth my praises. Now, this is the passage that connects all what we've been learning all along to the glory of God. We have said that God formed and gave the children unto us. And he said, I formed them for myself, and they shall show forth my praises. So we can see here that it is very, very critical to God that the children that he has given unto us, or they show forth his praises, and they bring forth his um, glory and uh, for others to see. And so we can conclude that a consistent life of Christ, distinguished from and evident to the world, brings glory to God. It means we have the task as parents to raise our kids to bring forth abundant fruit that exemplifies the nature of Christ. Are you still with me? So it means that as we raise these children that God has given us, what we desire is that men may see them and glorify God that is in heaven. 
Now, while we may derive joy from seeing or hearing that these children are walking in the truth, like Apostle John said, we cannot take glory. As a matter of fact, we should be the first to give glory to God. So what this means is that as we, day after day, tend, nurture, raise the children up, our heart desire, our heart cry is that we want to have children that will grow up to bring forth fruits of righteousness that would make men glorify God. Now, while I shift focus away briefly from this matter, what we strongly believe is that God would have us take this as a priority of our parenting. That this must be the primary pursuit of our parenting efforts. And if there is any other thing that substitutes that or overtakes that, that is what we call a misplaced priority. So when we say a misplaced priority, what we are saying is that anything that would take first place above the goal and priority of our children bringing glory to God, as we have explained, is a misplaced priority. This means even if it is something legitimate like academics, career success, fame, popularity, huge salaries, or name it, if it's placed above the glory of God, it is a misplaced priority. Now, before anyone gets me wrong here, academic and career success is not bad, not a single bit. But I believe it is a great tragedy as a Christian parent if all your child grows up to have is some worldly success without Christian virtues. I think it is really a sad story, a sad case for a Christian if all you are able to prepare your child or children for is how they can become economically self-sufficient but they remain spiritually destitute. You see, there are people in the world who don't care about God at all. Some of them don't even believe in God. They only have principles and desires for their children and they successfully achieve the same success and sometimes if not better success than the one you have successfully raised your child for. How are you better than an infidel? How are you better than someone who does not believe God in parenting? You know, many parents dream out what each child will become in the world, what career they will pursue, what school they will go to. Brother and sister Christian, before you start dreaming of the role your child will play in the world, you as a Christian parent, do you have a dream or a vision? Have you sought the face of God for the role your child will play in God's kingdom on earth? If you have come to understand this, do you know that this would help you to take the right steps in channeling the child towards the path that God would have the child to go? And don't get me wrong, I'm not referring to the role your child should play in your local congregation that you attend, because this is a very different matter. You know, many parents may strongly desire their children to be very active in the church or in the congregation they attend, not really because they love God, but simply because of themselves, their own ego, their own pride. If the goal is not the glory of God, if the desire is not that they bring forth fruit that men may see and give glory to God, then you need to watch it. You know, I see a lot of incongruencies in the actions of so many Christian parents. Many times we do things totally in opposition to what we believe and or profess. We prioritize our children's academics above God and the things of God. We incentivize their secular success above spiritual success. We allow them to skip spiritual exercises because of their secular engagements, like school assignments, sports, extramurals, etc. And you know what? These choices will make every day 
They speak volume to where our priorities and goals are. And you can trust that these children hear what you did not say with your mouth because they can sense your action. They can sense where your love is seated. It is commonly said that action speaks louder than words. Do you know you can every Sunday morning start emphasizing church and church and church, not because you love God, not because you desire the glory of God in their lives, because the primary thing you emphasized throughout the week was their assignments, was their book, not even their Bible at any point in time. But because of your own self-glory, because you don't want to be seen without your child in church, you now on Sunday begin to put emphasis on let's go to church. And then the child tells you, Daddy, I have an assignment. I have a load of assignments. And then you are turning to two. One, where your true love is. And two, your own personal ego. And the child can definitely see through that dichotomy. The child can see through that duplicity. So I want to say that this matter that we are raising is one that is very, very central. You see, that these children, they see it when our passionate interest is their academics, social positions, material success. They know when we are genuine in our interest for our own glory. They can see when it is God's glory. They can see when we are just doing it for optics and not for the glory of God. They know when we emphasize church for the sake of it and when we don't mean it. You know what I also believe is that many congregations and sadly pastors might have also contributed to these problems. Many times when a serious holiness believing church have programs that bring adults together. They try to talk about salvation. They talk about holiness and many more core scriptural beliefs. But oftentimes what we tend to see is that when there are programs for children or young people, everything is linked to success. Everything is linked to prosperity and the likes. Now, time will not permit me to do justice to this other matter. But I trust God that it would help us to revisit this in coming sessions. But nevertheless, I think it will be very helpful if we consider the following points before we pray. Number one. Let every parent know, let every leader know, let every guardian know, let every would-be parent or grandparent know that academic and career achievements and success is not the end goal. Your end goal is not to have your child academically successful. Your end goal as a Christian parent primarily is to see Christ formed in the child that God has given to you. Are you with me now? Now, Christ and Christian living is the end goal. Therefore, the idea of emphasizing God and religion as a means to attaining life success, many times defined in terms of the amount of money or position or popularity and all the worldly things is very, very unscriptural because Christ is not going to be a means to an end because Christ himself is the end, he is the end result, he is the goal that every parent must seek in the child. So therefore, the idea of emphasizing God and religion as a means to attaining life success, many times that we have defined in terms of money, position, and all the worldly things is very, very unscriptural. And no apologies to anyone, no matter what height you might have claimed, you have reached the ministry. This is the stand of the scripture. My Jesus cannot be made a means to an end. If he is not the end, that is the goal, he is not in it at all. God is not going to be the string you would pull to achieving your self-glorifying earthly pursuits. The ultimate he has promised us is heaven. And until we begin to channel the sight of our children on the ultimate goal, we will continue to miss it. And I pray we will not miss it in Jesus' name. And so let no parents, pastor, or preacher leverage Jesus as a means to an end. Christ is the hand and is the one we seek. You see, the product we have from this sad 
and faulty way of parenting or raising our young ones as being children who grew into young people, young adults, or adults that have their eyes focused on the world and their lips on God. We have over the years raised pseudo-believers whose hearts are yearning after the world and not God. Though they may still be bodily in the congregations, they are not good for the kingdom, neither are they good enough for the fast-declining world. In short, they are stuck in the middle, confused about what to stand for. They have no strong standing in the world, neither do they have a right standing in Christ. So they end up in duplicity. It is when some of them just have to pick one. After the mystery, many of them resolve to the world at last, seeing that they cannot continue in the mystery and agony of pursuing two opposing goals. But some remain stuck, languishing in the mire of a very faulty upbringing, where Christ is not the ultimate, but a means to an ultimate. Where Christ is not the model, but a supposedly successful person somewhere, is looked up to as a model. Do you know that many times that we fought our children for taking models of people or stars in the world on the TV? It is because we have not taught them the right way of assessing life. If only we have made them realize in words and actions, aligned together, that what ultimately matters is a God-glorifying and pleasing life, evident and distinct from the world. If we have emphasized the importance of complete separation and distinction from the world, but living a life that is God-glorifying, do you know that a lot of them might have grown with the right perspective? But what we have done over the years is rather to reinforce, even sometimes unconsciously, the views of the world by making positive examples of people in the world who have no bearing with religion in many times in our instructions and sadly so we do so also from the pulpit citing examples of people in the world who have recorded some form of success but you cannot trace godliness to it it's my personal belief and i believe it is scriptural that we do not have any reason to point example to someone who is not a believer as an example of success if we cannot actually trace the person's faith because it is no true success when christ is not in it i want to repeat that that it is no true success when christ is absent therefore we have made a fertile mistake by setting their eyes one on the world and one on god forgetting that if their eyes be not single as christ says their body will not be full of light except their eyes be single their body will be full of life Consequently, we have young ones whose life cannot radiate Christ and his glory because their eyes are not single. Their parents, grandparents, and will-be parents, as we bring this episode to a close, these are the points that we need to really look into and take away. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will magnify these words even beyond what has been said in Jesus' name. Number one, we need to prioritize the glory of God in bringing up that child or the children that God has given unto us, and make it our primary goal, our primary desire, and our primary pursuit. We must make Christ and his true followers examples for our children, not the world or the things in it. The Bible says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, you will save the future generation of Christians the pain and agony of belonging nowhere by anchoring their aspiration on Jesus Christ and Jesus alone, the perfect example of one who glorified God on earth, as we see in the book of John, chapter 17, verse 3 and 4. Always remember, he that glorifies God shall be glorified at last. 
and others shall be condemned, irrespective of what possession they had access to on earth. And therefore, brothers, sisters, parents, set the affections of our children on things above. Anchor their pursuits in Christ. Help our young ones to set their eyes fully on God, and they shall show forth his light to the world around them. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for these words that you have given unto us and the example you have given us in your son Jesus Christ who came to the world to do your will and to glorify you and him you glorified. It is our prayer today that you would help us as parents and guardians to raise our young children to be like Jesus, to make this the priority of our lives that our young ones will grow not to be like any example in the world that does not have Christ as its center, but rather to have you as a primary pursuit and all the blessings that accompany possessing you, you will give unto them in Jesus' name. We pray that your glory will be the priority of the lives of our children in the name of Jesus. Amen. <laughs>